is Clayton Howe's Entertainment X. For this episode, I chat with Tislarm Bowie, and we cover a little bit of everything from early inspirations in dance to ways of being today. So I hope you enjoy this part one with Tislarm Bowie. We're back. I'm Clayton Howe, and today with me on Zoom is Tislarm Bowie. Tislarm, thank you for joining me today. Thank you for having me, Clay. This has been a long time coming. We've talked about it for quite some time. I'm so excited to discuss uh, current events for you, upcoming endeavors. But before we do, I want to take it back to the beginning of time for you. What were your entertainment dreams growing up? My entertainment dreams? I think um, growing up, I was really inspired by like, Missy Elliott, um, Aaliyah, um, just really music videos. And also like, I'm from Brooklyn. So we had this thing every summer where we have like really big black parties. Um, so people from different blocks would come and have performances. And um, my cousin and my older sister were a part of a group on the block. So they will also perform. And I remember being maybe like six or seven and I had like, had a little like solo, I guess. I probably was just running around, Lord knows what I was doing. Um, but I think that was my introduction to like dance and knowing that, you know, this was some type of superpower that I kind of wanted to explore. Um, so I would say, I believe definitely that's where it began. What, um, what was the cultivation of this superpower? I love that. I love that phrase. What was the decision? Was there a defining moment where you're like, I'm going to do this for a living? Yeah. So I, um, so first I realized it was kind of like a real, I don't want to say a real thing, but it was feasible. I went to a cousin's recital. Um, and I remember going with my grandma and I was like, oh my God, I'm going to do that. And just like, you know, seeing people like kids my age dancing on stage. And it was like, my cousin, we're five months apart. So we're like pretty much attached at the hip. And she was doing this thing on stage and it looked like she was having the time of her life. So I was like, I want to do that. Um, so yeah, we signed up the next um, next fall. And, you know, some of my family members weren't really okay with it. I got a lot of, like, feedback. Um, like, you're supposed to be playing basketball. Um, why do you want to do ballet? You know, do, you know doing all these things. Um, so I would say that was the beginning. But I really realized that I could make a career out of it um, when I went to high school. Um, and I went to a professional performing arts high school in New York City. Um, and there I was classmates with people who at the time were like on Gossip Girl, on Broadway, um, Nickelodeon TV shows, like Annie growing up, you know, like the Audrey McDonald version. So it was just like kind of crazy seeing these little professional 13 year olds who <laughs> act like grown men and women um, and kind of have all this stuff together at such a young age. And I feel like such a mess, you know, and I was like, oh, I can actually do this. And they were like the most humbling people that kind of just shaped me into the person I am today. Um, so, yeah. Sorry. No, please keep going. Yeah, no. So I would say that was, that's my foundation. It, it's my high school. That school changed my life in ways that I can't even imagine. Mm -hmm. um, just being from Brooklyn and going to, to like neighborhood schools and then going to a school like that and just being accepted and, you know, just being around so many talented, loving people who weren't fighting every day or, you know, came to school angry because of whatever was going on at home that, you know, we can't control. But um, everyone was just genuinely happy to be there. And we all loved each other and supported each other so much. I love that. Um, yeah. What was the, um, what was the self-talk in finding, finding your, your path and believing in yourself? Because I've found many individuals I've talked to where they've gotten feedback, and it's a great word to use, feedback from family members that's less than supportive. You really have to have a moment of, oh, this is up to me. 
I I have to look out for myself. And of course we have support systems and mentors, which we'll get to, but I'm curious that belief in yourself and determination, where does that come from? And what is that self-talk? Yeah. Um, So I'm just going to jump right in because there's no really way to, I have an interesting life. So there's no way to kind of sugarcoat it because it made me who I am. Um, but I was raised in the projects and I, my, I didn't, my mom passed away when I was nine and my dad wasn't around. So it's funny. I was just talking to a friend about this. Um, you know, we have our grandmothers, like I was raised with my grandma. She loved me very much and I felt protected by her. But at the end of the day, I still wasn't her child, you know, and that was kind of made clear, especially as I got older, as you know, problems progressed with like some of my aunts and uncles and things that they would project on me, you know, that I wasn't having anymore once I turned 21, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, So I always felt this sense of uh, independence and knowing that I had to do what I wanted to do for myself to get out of my situation. Mm -hmm. Um, The projects for me was my motivating force of my life. I was like, I have to do everything in my power to get out of here. Um, And that's kind of what, what it was for me. It was like, you know, I, up until maybe like six years ago, a lot of my high school friends didn't even know that I was in the projects because it was something that I lied about and I was embarrassed and I didn't tell anyone. Um, so I think that was my my self-talk. It was like, you know, you're different. I knew I was different from everyone in my family. I knew that I was different from the people that I was going to school with at the time in, in elementary and middle school. And I was different from the people in my building. You know, I talk different. I walk different. I, I had a little, as people say, sugar in my tank. Um, so, I, so that's what people in the South say. That's what, oh, goodness. <laughs> I, I always knew that I was, I was a bit different. So I, I didn't even, you know, it was just like, I'm doing this thing that I love. And, you know, my grandma and some, they did support me. I won't say that they didn't because they definitely paid for it. They love to watch me do it. Um, but it was just certain people that I would get feedback from, but, um, I just knew that this was what I wanted to do in my life, um, especially going to the high school and seeing that, oh, this is possible. And just, you know, going out. So my high school, we had a partnership with Alvin Ailey um, and everyone walks to that building. And at the time, Beyonce, uh, I remember she was rehearsing Greenlight downstairs, like for her. Uh, I, I don't know. If, I can't remember so long ago if it was for the tour or the music video. Um, but it was just everybody like one day Fantasia came through. So it was just like, oh, I'm in the right place. I meant to live in the city, you know, coming from Brooklyn in the projects. I was like, I'm now my school's on 48th Street. I'm seeing people every day, like coming to Manhattan. And I was like, this is where I belong. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be like these people. You know what I mean? So I could identify with myself in Manhattan more than I did in Brooklyn. Um, so I think all those things kind of helped me, helped push me to be the person that I am and to get out of my situation and not listen to people telling me that I shouldn't be doing certain things. Yeah. Yeah. And thank you for, thank you for jumping in. Cause this is the, this is the meat and potatoes, so to speak. And I appreciate you sharing because I know people are going to grow as a, as a, as a result of this conversation through that time, what was your, what were your discoveries either from your grandma, people in your building, or just from yourself or even at Alvin Ailey about work ethic? What were you learning about work ethic at a, at a younger age? Uh, that it takes discipline that you have to be on time. Um, especially with dance, it's a very disciplined art form. Mm-hmm. Um, you can't come to class late. You know, there's a dress code, especially at Ailey. It was like, if you came late, you have one of my teachers, her name was Miss McGrew, and she would make us do 32 Shanj Moss. <laughs> like, if, 
if I like bows are sticking out of my shoes, if you came late, like she'll kind of like go around and jot it down. And then for each person, she just added up. So at the end of the class, everyone's jumping for like five minutes, you know? Um, so I think that, and just also, again, going to school in Brooklyn, I mean, living in Brooklyn and going to school in Manhattan and knowing that, okay, you have to save this amount of time to travel to get to school on time. You have to wake up at this amount of time to, you know, um, to be able to get ready and shower and everything. So I think all those things, especially dance and just learning respect and not talking in class and um, learning how to dress properly, you know what I mean, and carry myself and speak French, if you will. I don't speak French. But, you know, <laughs> just kidding. Learn uh, French terms in, in school. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I think all those things have helped me with my work ethic. At a young age, I didn't have that for sure going before going into high school. Um, so it just kind of made me a bit more serious. Yeah. Yes. Did, yeah. Did I answer that question? You did. Oh, definitely. Definitely. Mentors. Um, any mentors you currently have or mentors from early on? Uh, are there any standout lessons learned? Yeah. So um, I was always one of my first inspirations um, before going to uh, high school but was Darrell Moultrie. Um, he's an amazing choreographer. He's um, right now he's, he's about to do goddess at uh, Berkeley rep, but he's also choreographer alien a lot of, he's like more of a, a concert choreographer, um, a concert dance choreographer, but he was one of my uh, first inspirations because it's not, um, I like when I see choreography and movement that I can't write down um, when it's more of just like a feeling or, or they kind of just move through their space or it is something I could write down, but it has an edge to it. Um, and he would always use this really cool music and like really innovative movement. Um, so he was my first like introduction, I would say to choreography. And I was like, oh, I kind of, you know, I like what he's doing with this and that. So that he was one of my first inspirations. And then uh, when I, I remember going to see Alvin Ailey and seeing this piece called Vespers and Episodes by Ulysses Dove. Um, and I was blown away. It's like, well, we call it like black dance, but it's like, everything's like on the end count. It's very fast. Very, it's very powerful. There's, there's a lot of soul behind it. Um, there and they're just kind of like, like Vesper. One piece called Vesper. They're on these chairs and they're just like they have these black dresses and they're like twirling and like falling on the floor and like one count and getting up and like. So I, I like the drama of it all. Okay. <laughs> I, I think that those are definitely two of my, um, my inspirations. Like growing up, I would say that lead kind of leaded me into uh, wanting to choreograph. Um, yeah. When you when you choreograph, are you what are you seeing, or what are you hearing? What is the? It's hard, maybe hard for you to, and maybe not. I'm curious the process. What is the discovery? How does that? If you can articulate it, <laughs> what does that look like? So honestly, it depends um, on what I'm working on. But uh, usually, I'm really inspired by music. So sometimes. A lot of the times I have a story already. It, it's been a process. Um, yeah. <laughs> so there, there are times, okay, I'll have a story, but I'll have the story for years. And like, I'm kind of going through, going through this now with the film I'm working on, um, but I don't have the music yet. So um, I'll have the story and I'll know what I want, what I want to portray and what I want to do, but the music hasn't come to me. So that like, I'll kind of actually put it on hold unless I do like some research and like really go and try to find something. Hmm. And then usually once I find the music, um, I'm, it's really weird and I'm really, I mean, I'm not, it's a gift in a weird way to listen to music. And sometimes I'm like amazed on myself because I like listen and I'll like just make up a whole story off of a song, you know? 
just like a whole synopsis of like a beginning, middle, and just on like listening to listening to music and like putting myself in a place, what I want the movement to feel like based on what the music is giving me, you know. Um, so it goes both ways. So like if I hear a song, sometimes I'm inspired because there's a lot of texture to it, mm. um, whether it's the lyrics or the melody or uh, if it's, yeah, the lyrics, if there's a narration that's happening and it's already given a story that I don't have to put anything on top of it. Mm. Um, so it's either me having a story already or me having music to help me push the story. Um, but it's also cool to have a story and then you could not always have music. It can be like audio, a spoken word that could also help portray the story so i'm learning as I... yeah is it do you find that it's it's um i don't want to use the word like easier or harder but do you have a preference over seeing the movement on you in a mirror versus putting it on others or in others and watching them oh i love to put it on other people just okay. because um when i'm creating and this this is something i mean i'm not just learning this at all but <laughs> when it happens I'm so scatterbrained when I'm creating. So I'm already like, if I made up eight counts, I'm already on the eight counts that comes in the next two minutes in my brain. You know what I mean? Okay. So I'm already thinking about thinking about too much that I don't even, I I like to dish it out and then like to see it on someone else. I have someone there be like, hey, can you just, can you remember this? And then I'll like jump to the next thing. So I like to put it on other people just so I can see what it looks like. Cause I, it's already sculpted in my head and I'll do it. And then I'll teach it to someone and then I'm like, okay, can I see if, how this looks or if this reads or works? Hmm. Uh, so I do love to put it on other people. When, when you get stuck, <laughs> if you get stuck, how do you get unstuck? Oh, I totally get stuck. I take a break. Um, yeah. And this just came with patience um, because sometimes, you know, we feel like we have to get everything done right away. Or you're like, well, I want to get two minutes done or I want to get to the certain point. But I'm someone that like, I'll sit on something for a long time and like analyze it and like, okay, this one little, these two steps aren't reading for me. We need to change this, you know? And I think there's a beauty in like set, leaving something alone, letting yourself sit with it and then come back to it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel like whenever you get stuck, just leave it alone, you know, look at the video, see like how you're feeling. If you want to change anything, you can always change and revisit and go back. It's never done. I mean, it should be. But, you know, things change, life changes. Um, So, yeah, I'm someone that like I love to go back and like come back and revisit things. And just I learned to just when I'm burnt out, just stop because, you know, you're just wasting wasting time. Yeah. And I'm going to change it anyway. So, (laughs) yeah. Well, you you brought up an interesting point where you you can hear a song and just all of a sudden beginning, middle, and end right there. Is it is it all written out or just in your mind, or do you actually have to go through the movement? Or is it a combo? It just depends after you have a few ideas, then you'll do that. Okay. So I usually write everything down because I'll forget. Um, And when I say beginning, middle, and end, usually I mean like the story or like I'll have like an ending frame or like an ending movement or how I know I want the piece to end Hmm. Um, or different like sections in the piece. Um, most of the time it's not movement, it's more of like a feeling or the story okay. or like information or something to push the narrative. Um, the movement I usually kind of like, I'll work on in the studio or the like random little bits in the house if I'm playing music, I'll record myself and then um, put it together when I get in the studio with people. Sure, sure, sure. Is there a particular project um, or piece that you've worked on or, or been in that has taught you a significant amount about yourself? 
Yes. Uh, I was I was trying to think of something I've been in, but I think my thug film has taught me a lot. Um, and I'm still learning a lot about it, about myself um, while creating this and just like being patient with myself because this has been something I've been working on for uh, almost going on seven years. Um, this year will be seven years and um, just seeing where my mind can go and how I can how I can come up with things and just like different narratives and stories that I want to tell. And this is, you know, I started off with dance, you know, and I was like, I want to be a choreographer. And now I'm like, oh my God, I really love film and I love um, how uh, movement looks on camera. And I love also not even movement, like just now I'm watching TV shows and I'm watching, you know, when I watch dialogue, I'm looking at how the camera, how they shoot it and how the different angles and all those things. So I know that that's in my future and that's like, something that I really am passionate about that I, that I want to do. Um, and I, I had never really thought about that. And so I allowed myself to like create this film and that that's personable to me. And that's also, it, it relates to a lot of other people that's been really inspiring to let me know that like, oh, this is actually like a real story and you should keep going with it, you know? Um, and it's kind of opened my mind to where I see the piece going. Because before it was like, Oh, I just want to create a piece and you know have a screening. And I was like, no, this actually needs to be on a larger scale so, I, so a lot of people can see it. Um, because I, like, sorry, just rather rambling. But I watched a, a film on Netflix, a documentary on Netflix, um, and it was about the drug war. And there was one specific part in it where it was like, um, and a lot of my family, you know, being in Brooklyn in the 1980s and 70s, were affected by that. And um, there was one part in it and they were like, it was a woman, she was, you know, smoking crack and they were saying like, oh, a lot of women and people left their families because they were so addicted to this drug, you know? And just that one line and me hearing that, it, made, it gave me a sense of comfort because I was like, okay, I wasn't alone. Even though I already, I already know that because a lot of my friends, family, you know, uh, or somebody in their family have struggled with the same thing. Like around that time period, everyone's parents have kind of some way dealt with the same thing. But it was that sense of comfort, like I'm not alone and I wanna create that for other people. You've been listening to Entertainment X, the podcast. You can follow Entertainment X on Instagram at underscore entertainment X underscore. If you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join Clay next week for another curiosity conversation on Entertainment X. Thank you for listening.